Hello, this is Pastor Becca Bateman of Doylestown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become so busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear Sunday's sermon, along with a scripture lesson from that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all the diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Our scripture reading for today comes to us from the book of Exodus, chapter 3. Might you follow along with your heart or simply by reading it in the Bible as well. Moses and the burning bush. Moses was keeping the flock of his father Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see that the bush is not burned up and why. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am God of your father, the God of Abraham and God of Isaac and God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry on account of the taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land that is good and broad, a land flowing with milk and honey into the country of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites and the Jezebites. The cry of the Israelites is now come to me, I have seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, You shall worship God on this mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? O Lord, our God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to come to the scriptures, no matter how familiar or uncertain we are of the words. Let them breathe new life into us. Let us understand you and your character even more as one who draws near to us. In your name we pray. Amen. What must have I done to be known? Was the phrase that beat down on him more unbearable than the sun? As the skillful shepherd led his sheep along the winding paths of the hillside, careful to let them avoid drinking in the puddles for parasites lived there, 
only allowing them to drink from the streams. As a shepherd of the sheep, he kept them in the clearings. For who knows what kind of wild animals would lurk around those big, large rocks. They stayed along the well-worn paths as well, to have sure footing lest they slip and fall, or maybe those pebbles would get into their hooves. And still, his inner voice said, what I did must have become known. Moses' daily routine did not keep these words from him. Neither did years or even geographical distance from Egypt. The words lingered like dew on the morning grass that the sheep eagerly bolted to to drink from in the morning. Moses breathed in the crisp morning air almost in an attempt to fill himself with anything, anything else. But the very wilderness that surrounded him reminded him that he wasn't where he once was. He fled from Pharaoh. He fled from shame. He fled from himself. Now, this is not the whole character that we know from Scripture, or if you've taken some shortcuts, maybe from the Ten Commandments with Charleston Heston, or if you're a different generation, the Prince of Egypt by DreamWorks. The Moses we know from all of that is the one who was saved by the midwives, Shipra and Pua, by his mother, by Pharaoh's daughter and his sister Miriam. Moses, who eventually confronts Pharaoh, leading the Hebrew people out of Egypt, are the ones who hear Miriam playing with a tambourine once they reach the other side of the Red Sea. Moses, who will seek the wise counsel of his brother Aaron and that same wise sister Miriam, leading the people through the wilderness. But in chapter 3 of Exodus, we haven't met that Moses. This Moses is unsure. Have you ever felt like you didn't have what it took? In today's scripture, Moses certainly felt this way as he becomes aware of God's presence. We hear while he is attending his sheep, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire and out of the bush, and the bush looked like it was blazing, yet it wasn't consumed. Moses looked away and then looked toward it, and God called out to Moses, knowing Moses' name. And Moses recognizes that it is God and responds, here I am. Those words are familiar as they are echoed throughout scripture. Maybe you remember Samuel the prophet says, here I am, Lord, to God's calling. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, responds, here I am, Lord, to God's calling on her life. Then God says in verse 5, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And we presume he did. God then reveals God's self to Moses further. God speaks very intimately about what Moses also feels. God's people are in misery. God has heard their cry. God knows their sufferings. And this is a portrayal of God that we cannot ignore. What kind of a God takes the time to be with inadequate humans? Our God. What kind of God comes down to our level? Our God. 
What kind of God needs to test his subjects so that he can be sure of his loyalty? Our God. Why does the Bible have to make this so complicated? Why can't the Bible have God act like all the other gods? Because our God is our God. So this God of the Bible gets at the very heart of both Jewish and Christian beliefs about God, that God doesn't keep distant, but embraces human experience and becomes part of the human story. God is on the scene and embracing it with regularity. And in the Christian story, God steps further and becomes one of us, God and the flesh of Jesus. But just like the, the store Target putting up an end cap of Christmas decorations right next to the back-to-school supplies, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. You see, in our scripture for today, there's one particular detail that stood out to me. What is with this removing the sandals thing? Now, it made me think about a time when we were visiting Mike's cousin who was stationed in the Navy in Japan. So in 2018, when our family of three then traveled on this wonderful vacation to visit. Just back to the apartment after a wonderful day of seeing all that we could see, I had to take my shoes off for two reasons. One, after a long day of walking around being city tourists for 15 miles with toddler Maisie on my back, my shoes felt like they were literally swollen and molded to my feet. And two, as you might know, it's customary to take your shoes off at the entryway. One of the many wonderful experiences that fascinated us with Japanese culture, and it is fairly unfamiliar to us Americans. So every time you enter into a private space, and many designated inside spaces, maybe sacred ones especially, we took our shoes off. And in the cousin's house, she had slippers for walking around the house and then even had another set of slippers for the restroom. And this is what came to mind when I read the Exodus passage in which God encounters Moses in this way. And God tells Moses, he really commands him to take his shoes off. So there is something significant about removing shoes on holy ground. Is it obedience or is it respect? If so, it might be better translated like this Becca translation. Moses, take your shoes off for goodness sake. You're in the presence of the almighty creator. And this is maybe how I understood it as a Sunday school child, assuming that it had something to do with making sure Moses knew how to behave in God's presence, like there's some sort of rules and regulations how we are to be before God. And this could be part of it. But in reading more of Exodus 3, it doesn't seem like Moses acts or sounds very reverent at all, or even awestruck. He does take his shoes off, but instead of being silent or quick to obey God, Moses quickly provides a list of reasons why he is not the one that is going to go to Pharaoh. Now, taking one's shoes off or sandals off doesn't occur very often in Scripture. You're able to actually search sandals in Scripture. So we heard in the book of Joshua, there's a mysterious commander of the army who tells Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet, for where you stand is holy. Okay, on theme, I understand that. That's only a couple of books away from Exodus. 
And in the book of Ruth, even further, there's a scene in which a shoe is taken off to seal a deal between Boaz and Ruth, the next of kin, and a right of refusal to take him as his wife. But still, I'm pretty skeptical that there is any correlation between Japanese culture and this moment in Israelite history. But there still might be something to this sandal thing. So I dug a little deeper into Japanese culture. Why do the Japanese take their shoes off as a practice of entering homes or temples? I discovered that taking one's shoes off is a fairly ancient Japanese custom, going back to the 7th or 8th century. And number two, that it's pretty widespread. 98% of all Japanese do it. And people have pretty specific reasons for doing so. One survey I read said 81% of the people identified not one, but two equally important reasons for taking off their shoes when they enter a home. The first one you might have figured, to keep their houses and their floors clean. But the second one caused me to pause a little bit more. To be able to relax and be themselves. In order to relax and be themselves, absolutely, the simple act of taking off your footwear is an outward expression. This physical action is congruent with the inner response and a realignment of who you are. You're home. You're in the presence of a place where you can truly be yourself. So I thought, is it possible that God tells Moses to take his shoes off because God wants Moses to be himself? Not some fabricated, ultimately amazing version with superhero powers, but God just wants Moses to be himself. How God made him to be. The ground doesn't change. Moses doesn't change. But all are holy. So this reading is a challenge. God invites you to stand barefoot in an attitude of wonder as you witness God's presence. And it might be as bold as a blazing fire that doesn't consume. But might you hear the astonishing name of God? God invites us to remove our sandals, figuratively or maybe physically, and feel your toes in the clay that God is going to use to shape the future. Because God's call to you is to become vulnerable, to become your true self, and find your footing in holy soil. May we know what it feels like to refuse complicity, to feel empowered to challenge rulers and bring hope to the hopeless. May our beautiful feet announce salvation and be led by God. For we're not called to be other people. We're not called to be another church. We're called to this place to have holy ground and to be aware that it is who we are, but even more importantly, whose we are. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.